God, we have gathered this morning to echo those words in Christ alone. It is only because of Christ that we are here. It is only because of Christ that we have hope. It is only because of Christ that we have salvation and the forgiveness of sin. God, I pray that as we gather here and we turn to your word, I pray through the Holy Spirit that you would speak to us. Show us the things that you want to speak to us about. Remind us of the things that you want to remind us about. I pray, oh God, that um, again this morning, that as we make our way through this series, that our hearts would be tender and that we would be open to the idea that there are lost people around us and that we can't just weekly gather in the context of a church building and that be all that we do. God, give us a passion, give us a desire, give us a hunger to fulfill the mission that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. If you have a Bible, we're going to be in Luke 18 this morning, Luke 18, verse 35 through 43. If you're in need of a Bible, we've got some ushers coming down the aisles and they have Bibles, slip a hand up, they'll give you one. Or you can join us on version if you're using a phone or an iPad. Glad that you're here worshiping with us this morning and welcome to those who are joining us online and those in Kindred, at the Kindred campus. We are in this series, um, maybe you've heard it said already, uh, called BLESS, and it's an acronym, and, and the purpose of this series really is kind of twofold. First, to allow the scripture to awaken in us this, this deep concern, as I just prayed, uh, this deep concern for lost people, aka those who do not know Jesus as their personal savior. And secondly, to allow scripture to teach us a way and encourage us to step out in faith to make ourselves available through the work of the Holy Spirit in those people's lives. I started the series two weeks ago talking about the need to know our mission. But knowing that our mission flows out of Jesus' mission, it's first important for us to know what is Jesus' mission. I don't know if you remember a couple weeks ago, but Jesus' mission, Jesus stated in John chapter 18, this is what he said about his own mission. He said this, in fact, the reason that I was born and came into this world is to testify to the truth. That's what he says about himself. He said, hey, this is the reason I was born. This is why I'm here, to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens, keyword to me. And our mission flows out of his mission, Luke 9, 23. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up the cross daily and follow me. So our mission, if you remember, has three parts. The first part is this, it's about our attitude. We're supposed to deny ourselves. It's about our identification. We take up our cross and we identify ourselves with Christ. It's about our direction. We follow him, we seek to, to know what is he up to, where is he going? How does he want to use us? 
So remember this acronym BLESS is to be on mission with Jesus. The B, uh, so the first one I did was on the mission, like we have to understand our mission before we can even begin, but the B from last week is begin with prayer. And it's this idea of when you think about people around you at at work or in your neighborhood or in your family and you're like, I don't know that they know Jesus and maybe the Holy Spirit's laying it on your heart and you begin praying for opportunities. You begin praying for that person. It can even be even simple prayers. I don't know what's going on in their life. I don't know much about them. I, in fact, maybe I even barely know them, but I, something about the Holy Spirit's laying them on my heart. I'm gonna start praying for them. And maybe it's a neighbor or a coworker or somebody you know, and you just start praying for them. And the L is listen, and that's what we're gonna talk about today. It's once we've identified and I've been praying for them, we make an effort to listen to them. So in order to bless our neighbor, Jesus invites us to listen. And he teaches us how to listen in scripture. So if you're following along, and if you like to fill in blanks, the first one is this, go a different way. So what can we learn from Jesus' model of listening? It begins in verse 35. Maybe you're familiar with this story, but this is how it begins. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And when he had heard the crowd going by, he asked, what is happening? And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. So I want you to get this image of your mind. He's sitting along the roadside. What is happening? Here's all this commotion. And while Jesus and his disciples continued their travel towards Jerusalem, they approached Jericho. That's where this is taking place. As it is today, Jericho in the time of Jesus was kind of this gateway town. Lying near the southern end of the Jordan Valley, just north of the Dead Sea. So it was known as this pass-through city on your way to Jerusalem, if you're coming from the east or the north. And after passing through Jericho, a traveler then would would turn to the west, and as they turned to the west, there would be this 15-mile trek up to Jerusalem. Much of it was hill country. Jericho is the, the lowest town on earth, 250 meters below the Mediterranean sea level. It's also the oldest. But the warmth and the lushness of the city due to its abundant springs made it a very attractive place to settle. Even today, 20,000 plus people live there. So at the time of Jesus, Jericho was known as this oasis. In fact, Herod the Great built his winter palace near here because of its warm climate and and, and the, the springs. And the Bible describes Jericho as the city of palm trees. After this last winter, it sounds kind of attractive, doesn't it? to have a winter home in Jericho. Since Jericho catered to the rich and powerful people during the time of Jesus, that's what they were known for, homeless outcasts would line themselves on the street into Jericho and on the way out of Jericho. And as they neared the city along the road, the scripture teaches us in this passage, there was this this blind beggar sitting there. And their disability prevented them from being able to work for a living. So they resorted to begging to meet their basic needs. And this poor blind man sat by the wayside and and that's what he did every single day, he just begged. And beggars had very little hope for escaping their norm, what they were used to. And this blind beggar represents for us people that we are surrounded by every single day who need Jesus. 
Maybe it's that they're spiritually blind, hurting people, spiritually lost people, people along our pathway. The blind man in this story was considered insignificant by other people, maybe even a a nuisance or an inconvenience. And as he sat there along the road, going about his everyday business, we are told that that he heard the commotion, he heard the crowd, and, and the noise and the elevated excitement gave the beggar this indication that something was happening. Something was different today than it was yesterday. Someone was coming. So like any of us would do, he asked the crowd, what is happening? And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Uh, there's something really interesting in this passage. They, they who had become a part of this, this moving crowd that was with Jesus, the mob of people who, who gained interest in Jesus, maybe they were there for the right reasons, but most likely some of the they were there just to be there to be a part of the excitement and the hype, for, 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 do, for something to do, maybe because someone had expectations that they would be there, regardless as the crowd neared, the blind beggar was told it was Jesus, that he's the reason for all this commotion that was happening. And hearing the news of who it was that would soon pass by, he probably stopped breathing for just a second. Maybe his heart skipped a beat, and the name of Jesus would not have been an unfamiliar name. Most people had become acquainted with the name Jesus because he had quite the reputation for being a good teacher and he healed people. Bart, as we'll call him, probably had his whole life flash before his eyes. When he heard, hey, it's Jesus that's causing all this commotion. Not just his, his past life, but maybe even, even the future, a complete life change, the ability to experience things that he would never otherwise, to see things that he would never see otherwise. He, maybe he started dreaming a little bit. But why did Jesus go through Jericho? We could actually have a theological debate on this, but we won't right now. Some would say to perform miracles. Some would say that he went to Jericho to save Zacchaeus in the next chapter. In either case, I think part of the answer for us is in John 5, 19. This is what it says. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. This is Jesus speaking of himself. The son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. Jesus did and went only where he was told and led to go. Did you know that? Sometimes we think of Jesus and he just goes through life. Like we go through life, right? And he just goes here and he goes here and he does this. And if he comes across somebody, he heals this person. He only goes and does where the Father leads him. And by doing so, he never missed what the Father had planned. Listening to people. Remember, we're praying for people, and now we're praying for the opportunity to listen to them. Listening to people is a significant part of building a relationship that will hopefully one day open the door for us to be able to share our story. What are some ways that we miss what God is up to? By getting up every day and just going through our day, 
doing what we want to do, doing what our calendar says to do next. By getting stuck in a rut and a routine, wash, rinse, repeat over and over again, next day, next day, next day, and we miss it. By allowing our agenda to come before people, by not asking God what he wants us to see, what he wants us to hear, and what he wants us to be a part of today. One of the things we can learn from Jesus is his willingness to go where his father wanted him to go. And let's be willing to set our plans aside. Let's not worry as much about getting everything done on our checklist that we miss the moments and opportunity to listen to people. So we have a blind beggar named Bartimaeus and Jesus in the same place at the same time. It's a divine moment. What would Bart do? What would Jesus do? So the first idea to listen to people is we have to go a different way. If you just stick in your routine and you do the same thing every single day, we may be missing opportunities or places to be when God wants to use us. He wants us to hear what's happening around us. Secondly, listen closely. Verse 38, 39 says this. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. In his cry for assistance, the blind man addresses Jesus as the son of David. And these are loaded words. This is a loaded title because David was remembered as Israel's greatest king. It was during his reign a thousand years before Jesus that the nation reached its greatest political independence. And so that's what he was saying. He's saying, son of David, later generations look back to the time of David and hope for a figure like him. Maybe the son of David will come. Maybe Jesus is the son of David and maybe he'll do the same for us. So to call Jesus son of David was to load on him a nation's hopes and expectations. And the crowd wanted the, the, the procession to be calm and controlled. I don't know if you've ever been to, what it reminds me of is like a PGA tour. Like if you've ever been to a golf tournament or, and it's like this, shh. Or maybe it's this, this quiet, it just, we want it subdued. That's what they were asking for. But, but Bartimaeus wanted Jesus' attention. Uh, regardless of the crowd's desire, he would, he would have to break some social rules to get it, like, like screaming during someone's tee shot. That would be, you know, you would never do that, but that's what he would do. That's what he wanted to do. And that's what he, Jesus! He wasn't going to miss the opportunity. But shift our attention to a different group of people in the story. Do you remember when Bart asked the crowd what was happening and they told him Jesus was passing by? That's the crowd. The crowd, many of whom were not even followers of Christ, yet engaged the blind beggar. These are people that for whatever reason, they're just, in, they're just going with the crowd. 
these are the people that actually interacted with him when he said, what is going on? And they're like, hey, Jesus is coming. They actually talked to him. They gave him the time of day. They saw value in him and they answered him. Once Bart cried out for help, it says that those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. This is really very troubling to me because those who led the way would, have, would indicate a closer relationship or connection and a more serious commitment to Jesus. They would have known who Jesus was. They would have known why Jesus was there. They would have witnessed Jesus' mission in motion, and yet they told the blind beggar, one of whom Jesus came to seek and to save, to be quiet. Maybe I could just sum it with this. The non-religious engaged the blind beggar. And the religious hushed him. I'm not exactly sure why. Was it to keep him from slowing the, the procession down? Were they embarrassed? Did they think Jesus was too important for the least of these? Had the destination become more important than the journey? Was he not on the list of stops for today? Whatever the reason, it's, it's disheartening. But it didn't stop the one who needed help. It says that he shouted even more. Do you have people around you, just as you sit here, reflect for a second. Do you have people around you that are shouting maybe without even shouting that they need help. Why do we insist on speaking so much more than we listen? Maybe because we think we have more to offer than we do to learn. A busy mouth keeps us from having to listen to anyone, even God. Proverbs 10, 19 says this, when words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. We've all seen the destruction of when people are slow to listen and quick to speak, and the book of James teaches us to be quick to listen and slow to speak. But did you know, did you know that it's our sin? Our sin is the number one contributor to hearing loss? Our sin is what gets in the way of us being able to hear? When there's hearing loss, we stop listening to people. So far we've talked about go a different way, we've talked about listen closely, and then verse 40, it's this idea of slow down. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. And when he came near, Jesus asked him, we'll get to the rest of that in a second, but Jesus stopped. So there's this commotion, Bart says, what's going on? Hey, Jesus is coming through. 
And then the leaders that are leading Jesus said, hey, be quiet, hush up, stop. But Jesus heard him. In the midst of all the commotion around him, he heard him. And he stopped. Why is that so important? Because remember where Jesus was heading. You remember? He was heading to Jerusalem to fulfill his mission. And he knew it. He was faced with death in the near future. He was on his final lap nearing the finish line and he stopped. He must have had a number of things way more important than this blind beggar on his mind. What was swirling in his mind? Maybe the look on his mother's face? The heartbreak of so many who were following him that were, would be confused. The, the disappointment of all those who, who thought he was their king and he had come to rescue them. Uh, the beatings and the eventual excruciating painful death on the cross. There had to be all of these thoughts swirling in his head and yet he stopped. Even in the midst of all these swirling thoughts, he heard the voice of a blind beggar penetrate the noise around him. And Jesus' mercy and Jesus' compassion, it kicked into full gear. It did not ebb and flow based on what was happening around him or in him. Remember, he came to testify to the truth. The truth that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. So he was always tuned in. He was resolute in his mission. His focus allowed him to hear even the voice of a blind beggar when surrounded by chaos and noise. His schedule could wait. Can yours? His plans could take a back seat. Can yours? There's an older saying that goes like this. Slow your roll. You heard that? It's an expression to instruct someone to reduce the pace or enthusiasm for which they're doing something. In fact, I, I said it the other day to someone. I'm like, slow your roll. I don't even know where that came from. I'm like, slow your roll. Just uh, hold on. Don't get ahead of us. Without using words... That's kind of what Jesus was saying here through his actions. Slow down. Listen to the cries of people all around you. Listening is not the act of hearing the words spoken. It's the art of understanding the meaning behind those words. Simon Sinek. Let me say that again. Listening is not the act of just hearing the words spoken. It's the art of understanding the meaning behind those words. We hear all kinds of people throughout our day. How often do we stop to understand the meaning behind the words? It's not what they are saying that's the most important thing. It's what they are not saying. It's what they don't know how to say. It's the meaning behind the words. Listening is so hard. There, there was a man who said, he said, my wife said, 
You weren't even listening, were you? And he said, I thought to myself, that's a weird way to start a conversation. And some of you are thinking, that's a weird way to start a sermon. We speak 250 words a minute. We can listen and hear up to 500 words a minute. Uh-oh. What do we do with the other 250? We fill in the blanks. Now, some of us, uh, many of us know people who can fill in those 500 words per minute. But most people speak 250 words and we're filling in the other 250. And so what do we do? We often fake listen. Just waiting for our turn to turn the conversation to have something to do with us. Listening is a humbling act. It requires admitting that perhaps we can't anticipate what the other person wants to talk about or that maybe their needs aren't different or are different than what we thought. What does it feel like to just listen? It's been kind of interesting because um, knowing that I'm preaching on this as I've been preparing, I've been uh, kind of trying to do this just going into a restaurant or going into a store or whatever. And if you could just, just try this, uh, just tune out everything and just listen to people. It's, it's an interesting experiment. And all the things you hear people saying. Because people will tell you what they need sometimes without telling you. Does that make sense? Ask questions, verse 41. What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, I wanna see, he replied. I mean, obviously Jesus knew what the man's request was, but he asked the man anyway, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus no doubt wanted him to voice this request. And I wonder how many times Bart has voiced the same request in his lifetime, 10, 20, 50, 100, thousands of times before, but never had he stood in the presence of the one who actually could do something about it. Most often people will see their physical need before their spiritual need. I want you to hear this part because I don't want you to uh, get confused about salvation. Most often people will see their physical need before their spiritual need. We see this over and over again in scripture, right? The gospel only promises to meet our spiritual need for the forgiveness of sin and eternal life. That's it. The gospel never promises to meet our physical needs. Does that mean that Jesus is not aware or doesn't care about our physical needs? Of course not. He's completely aware and he absolutely cares about every one of our needs, physical, spiritual, and emotional. Every one of them. Though only one has eternal consequences. And sometimes he addresses our physical and emotional needs to draw us to himself and to reveal himself to us as we see in this passage of scripture. As you try to listen to people, if you listen closely, they will tell you all about their physical and emotional needs. What they often won't tell you is about their spiritual need. Usually because either they don't know they have one or they don't know how to articulate it, right? Imagine after you listened to a person you asked, 
What do you want Jesus to do for you? What do you suppose they might say? Take care of this physical need? Or they might say, I need help in this area of my life? Or remove the weight of this, it's way too much? Or bring healing to this person? Or could he provide in this way? Or heal my broken heart? Those would be common things that people would say. A person's physical and emotional needs, listen, open the door for discussion about their spiritual need. Asking good questions, it invites vulnerability. What you yourself believe about Jesus will determine what you listen for and what questions you ask. What you yourself, whatever it is you believe about Jesus, will determine what you listen for and ask. I have met Christians who seem to believe that a person's physical request can only be answered in the physical, and a person's emotional request can only be answered in the emotion. If we believe that to be true, we will only hear them and never understand the meaning behind their words. Strive to hear more than just the words. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you understand the meaning of what they're trying to say. And what are they asking? Try that in a conversation this week. You're in conversation with somebody and you're, and you're actively trying to listen to them and you're just praying for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, help me understand what it is that I need to hear or what it is that I've been missing. Last one is offer hope. Verse 42 and 43 says this. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. This is the end of the road for us in this story. Kind of. Obviously, we can't heal a person, and anyone who believes they can needs a different kind of healing, right? There's only one healer, and his name is Jesus. We know it, and Bartimaeus knew it. And his faith was not in the fact that Jesus would heal him, but that Jesus could heal him. Guys, that is so important in our journey. And this is, this is how people get messed up when it comes to faith. Well, God didn't do this, or God didn't do that, or I asked God to do this and he still didn't do it. Our faith is not in the fact that God will do something. It's in the fact that he can do something. You see, that's a major difference. Knowing that, the end of the story really doesn't stop for us because we can continually point to the one who can perform whatever miracle he wants to perform in their life, whether it's physical, emotional, or spiritual. A person's hope cannot be in us. What a sad day that would be if it is. We must constantly point people in the direction away from us we are not the answer. Never have been, never will be. So to listen, we go a different way. We get out of our comfort zone. And then we listen closely, we slow down, we ask questions, and we offer hope. On the screen, you will see uh, the one thing, the challenge for this week. 
take time to listen. Being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person, they are almost indistinguishable. Isn't that true? Sometimes people just want to be heard. They just want to be listened to. 